Good morning. Welcome to kickoff. All right, I'm going to try not nail anyone in the head like I did almost for service. All right, right, go long. Got some swag. Oh, nice. Almost. Fumble. Oh, interception. Here we go. Oh, yeah. See all that kickoff puns? If you know me, that is my jam is as many uh, puns as I can get in. So we're so happy to have you here with us. And if you're online, I'm sorry you're missing out on the food trucks, but glad you're with us anyways. Um, Well, I'm Chrissy Thompson. I'm here on staff as our Connections Director, um, and it is my honor to serve in that role. Um, Well, here at Faithbrook, we want you to be more than just a face in the crowd. Um, Just a, you know, opportunity for us to connect with you uh, would be my pleasure. So if you would, in front of you, there is a blue connection card. If you would fill that out and drop it in the giving box on your way out, I personally will follow up with you as well as our Pastor Jim um, also likes to get to know you and just come alongside you, get to know who you are so you can feel connected here. Um, At Faithbrook, we love God, we love people, and we journey together. And one of the best ways that we do that is through our life groups. Um, So you can see that on our Church Center app. Um, We have one up there. Smokey the Bear is not included in our family, but he's an honorary member in the picture. So Um, we love to get alongside each other in life and just go through life together. So that's what our life groups are about. You can check those out on the Church Center app. You can also see them on our website. Um, just a great way to connect with each other. Uh, there's also options for youth, and um, so grades 4th through 6th, and then we have 7th through 12th also during the week for group options, level up in youth, um, for them to stay connected with each other too. So that's what we're about here at Faithbrook. We'd love for you to check that out. And now I'm going to hand it off, right? Get that pun? Okay. To our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we kick off our series, Game Plan. Well, it is football season, like it or not. Uh, ladies, uh, your man's going to be all consumed uh, with football. And uh, last night, my wife was like, every channel seems to have a football game on. What's up? Well, welcome to fall. Uh, some of you are uh, sports fans. Some of you are not. But we want to welcome you as we kick off our series, fall series, called Game Plan. If you're watching us online, we appreciate you uh, worshiping with us. Maybe uh, you're just checking out a church today or someone invited you. Uh, I hope that you feel comfortable today. Uh, God's got something for you. Well, this series is all about finding God's winning strategies for our life and our soul for the next five weeks because we know that game plans are vitally important for winning or even losing. Just ask the Vikings. I think that they maybe need to adjust some of their game plans, right? And we're all looking forward that the twins in the playoffs coming up will have winning game plans. And if we could just win one playoff game, uh, that would be exciting. Do you personally have a game plan for your life? Any strategies for your life? How about strategies just to take on the daily grind? Uh, Just your persona or your attitude as you work uh, through the life? Do you have any uh, defensive plans where where there's threats and temptations and insecurities? How are you managing that? Do you have any dreams or ambitions? And what do we do with that game plan for those? And that's where we're going to be going for the next couple of weeks, looking for God's winning strategies in our life. So where do you think game plans start? Would you say that they kind of start in high school when we're kind of figuring out who we're going to be, what we want to do, right? Maybe you had some game plans. Maybe you're like, man, I, 
I hope that I, I get some kind of career, maybe meet the right person and get married before I'm 25, uh, maybe have some kids and hopefully have a house by 30, age 30 and everything's gonna be sweet. Somebody's like, man, I'm gonna go to college, get a degree, make lots of money. I wanna travel, I wanna accomplish things. And we just kinda, kinda write it out to have these game plans. I had a friend in high school, he declared to all of us that his game plan was that he was going to be a millionaire by the time he was 35. Uh, that didn't happen, uh, but uh, he, he was going to, that was his game plan. But we find a lot of times the game plans don't always come true. Uh, there are several people, man, life is good, and, and they would say, yeah, man, it's awesome. But for some of us, we'd say, you know, maybe our game plan just didn't cooperate. There were some setbacks. There were some frustrations. Uh, life seems to get more uh, complicated and harder. And before you know it, you're discouraged. There's some, some disappointments that we have to manage. I'm thinking about the Jets fans this year, right? They had a great game, game plan to hire Mr. Rogers. Four plays into the first game, he gets hurt and it's collapsing, right? No, no game plan there. Well, did you know in the Old Testament, there was a great game plan that God had for a nation of people called the Hebrew people or the Israelites. Uh, by the way, the majority of the Old Testament is about the journey of God's holy people, the, the Israelites. In fact, he sparked this dream in a man named Abraham and said, Abraham, out of your family, out of your seed, I'm going to raise up a mighty nation that's going to reflect who I am. I want one group of people on this earth that would live holy, that would reflect my goodness, that would add value, that live functional, and, and everybody would look to me because of this this, this nation, this family, of course, uh, the, the Old Testament talks about how they were in slavery in, in Egypt, but Moses came along and, and got them going, then Joshua, and then King David, and man, they had a great game plan. They were experiencing some wonderful days. They were in the promised land, and they were one of those prominent, prosperous uh, nations. People looked to them, and that was God's game plan, but sure enough, human nature kind of kicks in. They're asking themselves, hey, you know, this is, is this where we want to stay the course? Because there's some other nationalities out there, and there's some other uh, voices and opinions, and, and their lifestyle and their religions and their way of life looks really tantalizing. And I'd like to experiment with that. And, and their game plan just seems more thrilling. And pretty soon, they start wavering away from God's original game plan. Now, in the Old Testament, you'll see he brings a lot of of voices or preachers. They call them prophets. And sometimes they were judges. And, and they would speak into these people and say, hold course. Uh, don't get stubborn. Don't get selfish. Stay with God because the, the, the agreement was that God would have their back. God would protect them and help them. And, and sure enough, they, they were like, ah, you know, that's, that's kind of boring. Uh, you know, I don't see God too often. And boy, those people over there, they look like they got it together. And maybe we go over there. And so he would send these prophets and they would speak into these people and they would warn them, hey, you're wavering. If you don't um, elect or hire uh, righteous kings, they're going to send you down the wrong road. And, and uh, uh, there's some enemies to the east, the Assyrians. Uh, they're pagan people. Uh, they're neighbors to the Babylonians. And they're trying to gobble up all the territory. And I'm here to protect you. And if you don't stay with me, then you're going to be vulnerable. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. 
They became weak. They came fractured. And here come the Assyrians first. And then right behind them was the Babylonians. And they had no respect of their, their iconic city, Jerusalem. It was one of the most beautiful, precious cities. There's this gigantic temple in there to God. They just tore that down, knocked down all the walls and just drug everybody to the east, which now is uh, modern day Iraq or Iran. That was Babylonian and the, the pagan society. We find these, these children of God, these Israelites in the Old Testament, this journey of now they're in exile. Now they are in uh, 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 in, in bondage and captured in a place where they don't want to be. Now, do you think that could ever happen to us? That we kind of act like the Israelites? You know, we kind of know God's way. We, we maybe read the Bible, heard the Bible. Growing up, maybe we should do this and we shouldn't do that. And, but pretty soon, wow, everybody else is just looking really cool and doing that. And I'd like to go that way. And we start sculpting their own kind of game plan, what we'd like to do, and we really don't reference God at all. This kind of happened to me when I was in college days. I got my generals out of the way and kind of needed to pick a degree, and I'm thinking, man, what do I want to do? What is my game plan? I heard about the, these positions of uh, people attacking white-collar crime. Uh, there was fraud happening in the insurance business and, and uh, stock market stuff. And, and there was these detectives and, and investigators that would go um, look at these white-collar crimes. And, man, that's fantastic, right? Uh, I'd, I'd like to be one of those. So I, I said, I'm going to pursue a criminal justice degree to be some kind of fraud investigator for some big insurance company. And that's going to be my game plan. And, and I enrolled, and pretty soon... I found myself in a lot of complications. I found myself with a lot of roadblocks. I couldn't understand it. There was frustration. There was failures. There was problems. And my game plan was collapsing. In fact, I was so frustrated. I took a semester off of college just to figure out what was going on. Could it be that I was so self-righteous, so self-sufficient that I didn't bother to ask God's game plan in my life? Could it be? That God wanted to do something in my life. So what do we do when our game plan doesn't work? Does God have any room in our lives to speak into our life? That maybe there's some underlying issues in our soul, in our past, that God wants to heal, God wants to address? Could it be that God is waiting there patiently, say, I, I got a game plan for you? Well, that's where these people were. They found themselves stuck in Babylon under an oppressive king. Their, their home, Jerusalem, and surrounding the others were devastated. They had no freedoms hardly anymore, and their heads were down. Yes, they had these prophets and these preachers that were really scolding them. In fact, if you look in the Old Testament, there's a lot of prophecies and minor prophets, major prophets, and, and the majority of us, hey, you guys have screwed up. God is upset, and you're going to pay the price. There's some consequences for your, your sin and, and your pride. But through a lot of these prophecies, there's God's heart that says, I still am in love with you, and I still believe in you, and I still have a plan for you. In fact, if you go back to the Old Testament and in the, in the, the later parts of the Old Testament, you'll find Jeremiah, a, a big book. He's a major prophet. And in this one chapter, 29 God speaks to Jeremiah to speak to his people, 
These people that he created, they had a dream. He had a plan for them. And this is what it, it says. Verse 1. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, uh, Jeremiah was allowed to stay back in broken down uh, Jerusalem. God speaks to him and sends out this letter to all these people that are scattered everywhere, especially in, in Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar is the big evil king there, right? Uh, they are discouraged. They know that they have been punished and, and God's upset with them. And so he sends them this letter. <clears throat> he goes on. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are complete for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Now listen, you're going to have to go through 70 years of being exiled away from home. It's not going to be good. You chose that. That wasn't my original plan, but it might not be exactly 70 years. Some scholars think it might be just be a, a lifetime of maybe that generation, but I'm going to bring you back. So these people are, are despaired their, their heads are down. And then he says this in verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Here's my plans. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now, this one scripture, verse 11, pops out. In the midst of their pain, in the midst of their darkness, in the midst of their discouragement, all of a sudden this prophet says, for I know the plans I have for you. My plans are to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, if you've kind of studied the Bible, maybe been around in scripture, uh, you, you've known this one verse is kind of popular. A lot of people find this and, and claim this for themselves, especially maybe if they're grieving and they're wondering if God's ever going to bring them out of the ditch. He says, yes, this is my plans for you. Or I know some young people in college. This is their, their life verse, right? It's very popular. Uh, Christian merchandisers have made T-shirts. They've been pro posters. And this one just kind of stands out in the midst of the darkness and, and the exile ship. There it was. I have plans for you. Now, to really to apply it for our life, we first kind of have to understand and be honest with the text itself. This message from Jeremiah wasn't specifically for us in 2023. It was for those people at that day that specifically said, I have a plan and a future for you. So historically, technically, it's not written to us. However, it does show us the heart of God towards people. It's sentimental to us. That can encourage us. That makes it applicable to our everyday life and soul. So I just like to, and this was the inspiration of this series. When God says to Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you. I have the game plan for you in your life. Now, if you do a deep dive on the text here, the word plans is an, is an English word for a Hebrew word that means my thoughts. For I know the thoughts I have for you. In other words, God is thinking. A lot of times we're not sure what God is thinking, but Jeremiah is allowed to hear God's thoughts. 
And God is thinking towards the people who have disappointed him, who have disobeyed him. He's not thinking away from them, but towards them. And God is thinking for them, believing and loving them. And when he says, for I know the plans, basically saying, God has a game plan for you. He has a game plan for you. Now, we struggle with this a lot of times. Because a lot of times, like, I don't think God has a game plan for me. Um, God has a game plan for other people who maybe behave better, uh, you know, super Christians, uh, maybe those minister type of people. That he's, but God's too busy. He doesn't know about me. And where was he when this happened? And where was he when, when that happened, right? And, and maybe, maybe God's upset with me. In fact, if I knew his thoughts, he'd probably not be pleased with me. I haven't been living the way he wants me to live. i kind of doing my own thing. And if I knew his thoughts, I better run because he's, he's after me. He doesn't like me. But we find through the scriptures, even though God's honest with us, even though he's, he has to uh, discipline to some degree, God's heart is always for us. This shows up in the scriptures. If you read the scriptures, you realize that God does love us. You can think of Jesus a thousand years later when this was written. Here's Jesus walking around. He's, he's teaching and discipling people. He says this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and give it to the full. Other translations talk about to give you an abundant life. This shows God's heart. Yes, I'm for you. I'm going to give you a life, man. I'm going to give it to the full and an abundant life, just like he's saying to the Israelites, man, I got plans for you. My thoughts are for you. I was uh, reminded of this a month or so ago. My, my ninth grade uh, boy was, uh, wanted to play football for a new high school. And so if you want to play ninth grade on the team, you had to show up for this parents' meeting with the varsity coach. Uh, we didn't know who he was, all new to us, right? So here is the little parents were kind of sitting in this meeting place. And here comes the varsity coach. He introduces himself and he wants to share his philosophy and his expectations, the way they do their football in this program. We're all listening up. And so he said, now your kids are going to be on the C team, ninth grade team. And we got new coaches this year, brand new. And we're like, well, I wonder what happened to the last coach. He says, you know, last year, they had a really good season. Man, they won all their games and maybe lost one, but I fired those coaches. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, yeah, you fired coaches at a major winning season? What's up? Yeah, I fired them because they did not fall into our, my philosophy. And part of our philosophy here is that every player, every child needs a chance to play and be developed, especially in the ninth grade ranks. And so I let them go and we hired brand new ones. And I thought to myself, Man, that, that's touching, right? That he wants to believe in my son no matter what level of uh, skilled he is. And that reminds me of the way God is. See, a lot of times our world says, man, we're going to endorse you. We're going to be fans of you. If you're a starter and if you are a winner, man, we're all over you. But if you're not that good, you're on the bench. And a lot of times we get forgotten. A lot of times you're like maybe uh, you're, you're nothing. You're a loser. But in God's eyes, in God's eyes, every person is worth developing. Even those who have made mistakes, even those who have turned us back, even those who are winners, they're all important to God. Every person is important. And every person, God has a game plan for them. Now, part of this game plan that he describes to the Israelites, he says, plans, it says, to prosper you, not to harm you. Many times we're like, God wants to harm us. 
No, God wants to also prosper us. Now, the word prosper is a little dicey. <clears throat> it's kind of controversial a little bit. If you run around in the Christian circles, you know there's different churches and different theologies, right? And there's this thing called the prosperity gospel. And uh, some preachers are known for preaching this, this belief that, <clears throat> man, you just think the right way, you just say the right words, and God is always going to automatically make everything turn out well for you. You're going to prosper financially, you're going to prosper in physically in your relationship, because that's always God's will for you, always the win, 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 no pain, no problems. And that's not necessarily true, we see in the Bible. There's a lot of godly people including Christ himself, who suffered and went through some painful times. In fact, we know that sometimes uh, we, we profit too much financially. It can corrode us and corrupt us. Uh, it's kind of like the actor Marlon Brando. He says, too much success can ruin you, just like too much failure can ruin you. Jesus was notorious for saying, hey, it's harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. What's he saying? Because a lot of times when, when things go so well for us and we're so rich that we can rely on ourselves, we don't need to rely on God. We can get a little cocky, we can get a little bit prideful, and it can corrode us. However, when he says, my plans for to prosper you, prosper is a, a bigger word, a wider word that means so much more than just financial or physically, but it's a deeper word. That, that you would prosper, that there would be a joy, there would be a satisfaction, there would be a purpose and fulfillment in your life, that we would prosper. Around here at Faithbrook, our mission is to lead people into a new and thriving life in Christ. The word prosper means to thrive. It does mean there's some success. It's not always monetarily, but there is a hope in our life, no matter the situation. The Hebrew word that's associated with prosper is shalom. You know, many of you know that that's how uh, Hebrew people uh, greet each other, shalom, which means peace to you, my friend. Peace to you, my brother. There's a good will that, that things would go well for your life. This is the nature and the thinking of God to the Israelites. And that thread and that theme is throughout the whole Bible that God is thinking good to us. He wants us to prosper, if you will. He wants us to thrive in our situations. Well, are you sure about that, Jim? Is that true? Well, you take some time, you read through his um, playbook, if you will, right? You'll notice there's, there's some things that he says. For instance, Romans 8, one of my favorite chapters, the Apostle Paul tries to claim the same thing for the people a thousand years later who are suffering in Rome when he says in Romans 8, 31, it is for if God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So a lot of times our default is like, God's not for us. God's against us. Who am I? I'm a, I'm a, a nobody. And he's like, do you understand what God did? God didn't have to do this, but God sent his beloved, his only son to go to that earth and that earth is not easy. And he would be born through a virgin mother and raised. And eventually he'd be falsely accused. Eventually he would be pegged to a Roman cross and suffer horribly for us. 
That's how much he loves us. So he tacks on, he says, if he's not, is he willing to do that? How much more is he gracious going to help us out? He's got our back. And even there's a devil that wants to destroy us and hurt us. He's going to be there in those painful times. You can trust him. He has a game plan for you. But more than that, my friends, I would declare to you that his game plan is good for you. His game plan is good for you. Around here at Faith Brook, we like to say Jesus makes life better and makes us better at life. Makes us better at life. Because when we allow Jesus to come into our heart, he starts changing us from the inside out. We start thinking a little bit different. Our heart gets softer. Before we know it, we're a little bit more tolerant of people that aggravate us, right? We're a little bit more forgiving because we've been forgiven. We can be a little bit more patient. We're learning to love better, especially those around us. Before you know it, it's a conviction to be responsible people, to be good citizens in our neighborhood. It's, it's part of our conviction to love, care, be generous. And, and before you know it, that's good qualities to make civilization even better. Because God's way, God's plan is good for you. He continues in this proclamation, Jeremiah, to give you hope and a future. Hope and a future. Now, when the people heard that, they're like, right, great. We don't have much hope around here. We're not home anymore. We're hundreds of miles away in a pagan society. They burnt down our city. Our temple that we used to worship and our local synagogues are not there anymore. I don't know how to worship, where to go to church. Are you kidding me? But what Jeremiah is saying to them, that wherever you are at, God still hears you. He still hears you. In fact, this is what he says to the people. Or God tells Jeremiah to tell him, verse 5. Now, I want you to build houses and settle down. Remember, they're, they're in enemy territory. They don't even want to be here. Things are not the same thing. He says, I want you to plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry, have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage so they too may have sons and daughters. Increase the number there. Do not decrease. So the notion would be like, man, this is not a good place to raise a family. I don't like these people. I don't like my neighbors. I don't like their food. I don't like their culture. I don't like the custom. They are the enemy. I'm just waiting for 70 years to get out of here until things are going to get better. And God says to the prophet Jeremiah, tell him, quit that. Start playing gardens. Meet your families. Tell your kids, hey, grow up. Meet other people. Have families. We're going to make this our new home. Enjoy it. In fact, he goes on. He says, also seek peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. I want you to pray for the enemies. I want you to pray for those pagan people who don't believe what you believe. And their customers are not to say, enjoy it. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. I would submit to you that so many times we are looking for something better. We do not like our circumstances. We're mad at God or upset and, and God, I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to thrive. I'm not going to prosper until things change. And God says, sometimes they're not going to change. So why don't you settle down? Is it ideal? No, it's not. Is it your great plan and wish? No, it's not. But God is offering these people and offering us a mindset to make it the best for wherever we're at. Because I've come to give you a hope and a future. 
I haven't come to harm you, but to help you. It's a mindset, no matter where we're at, and in a future. Well, some might say, well, I'm older now. Is there a future for me? I don't have what I used to have. Is there a future for me? I would submit to you that no matter what stage you are in life you are, there's always going to be a hope and a future. It might not look like when you were coming out of college. It might not look like when you were raising kids. Maybe your body is not functioning as well. Maybe, maybe your family doesn't, isn't as, as solid as it was, right? But there can be a hope. There can be a future. Wherever that Babylonian is, right, make the best of it. Even on your last years, my friend, our best days are coming. Because according to the Bible and in the history, we know that the best days are in heaven. So even if we take our last breath, even if cancer gets us, we, we know that we're going to enjoy everlasting life <clears throat> with the king of glory and the paradise with Christ. But in the meantime, plant gardens, eat the food, grow a family, bless your neighbors, be involved, pray for them. Because sometimes it's in the pain is where we make the most gain. Sometimes it's in the pain where we make the most gain because it's when we are so disappointed and we feel like God has let us down. We're over there in exile and where, where's God? That's when we get on our knees and say, God, maybe it's your game plan. Kind of like me going through college when that degree didn't work out. Yeah, because God was like, I'm waiting for you to humble yourself so I can give you the best game plan for you in your life. It's in the pain that we start reading the Bible a little bit. Well, what what do we do with pain? I'm not sure. Uh, Why does God do that? And before you know it, you're reading scriptures and you're looking at the promises of God and you start growing from the inside out. You start maturing. You start becoming more confident in who you are. But a lot of times it takes the pain for us to make those gains. What could God do in our life if we were willing to quit looking over the fence Quit looking past the seven years and say, I'm right here. This is our situation. Let's make the best of it and add some value. I believe, my friend, this is part of God's game plan. In fact, God has a game plan for you, and his game plan is good for you. Maybe you're living out your game plan, and you're like, man, I got this, Jim. Thanks, but no thanks. Uh, My my life is wonderful. It's, It's working out, right? I can handle it, right? Maybe for some of you, it's like, you know, behind the scenes, it's not working as well as I thought. I I thought relationships would be easier. I thought life would be uh, less complicated. But below the services, there's some frustration. Below the services, there's some disappointments. Below the services, there seems to be some lacking. That the the, the soul, the joy, is not what I thought it would be on my own. And maybe God has a different game plan for you. So I want to challenge you today. I want you to consider about swapping your game plan for God's game plan. Swapping your way for God's way. Now we see in this Jeremiah 29, to do this, he says you need to call on me. Then you will call on me and pray to me. And I will listen. When you seek, I will be found. And when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. So the promise is, hey, I will hear you. The condition is you've got to pray. You've got to seek him with all your heart. You know, we're kind of notorious to say, hey, God, I'm in trouble. Uh, Could you help me out here, right? And if things work out, goodbye. 
But God's like, man, I want you to seek with my heart. This is a brokenness. Jim Simbola said, God runs to brokenness. God hears the brokenhearted. People that don't need them, ah, you're on your own. But when we humble ourselves, God hears our prayer and we change our game plan for his game plan. You know, I've been praying for this day, this beautiful day. God's given us a beautiful day. And uh, what, what could God do in our life? There's two things I've been personally praying for you. Is one is to just realize that God does have a game plan for you. And the game plan and part of his playbook, right, is good for you. And second, that you would swap your game plan for God's game plan. I encourage you to, to come back in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be talking more specific things uh, from, from walking in everyday life to, to having a defense game plan, an offensive game plan for our mind and our soul and our life. But today I would pray that maybe God is asking you to trust him to swap your game plan. And maybe it comes with baggage and, and regrets and some sin and ugliness for God's good plan that comes with forgiveness, new starts, new beginnings from the inside out in your life. In fact, I want to just take a moment to just pause and pray a little bit. So if you wouldn't mind giving God a little space in your life, we'd like to close our eyes and, and that helps us focus in. So let's kind of all close our eyes a little bit. Could it be this promise in Jeremiah 29 is also for you? that he is speaking your name and my thoughts for you, my plans for you is to give you hope, to give you a future, not to harm you, that God loves you. Could you just think for a moment and thank, give him thanks for what he's provided, that he hasn't forgotten you? Maybe others have forgotten you or you see yourself on the end of the bench, but God says, I want to develop you. I got a plan for you. You don't have to be super skilled, but if you just humble your heart, say, God, I want to swap my plans for your plans. Maybe I'm tired of my plans. They're not as what they should have been, and I'm going to trust you. Just by faith, by faith, we can say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I want to swap my, my life for your life. Forgive me of my stubbornness, my stiff-neckedness, the things that have been out of bounds with you, forgive me. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Give me a new start. And I'll do my best to read your playbook. I'll do your best to live by your plans instead of my plans. And I ask this and by faith in the name of Jesus who died for me and raised from the dead. Amen and amen. Well, my friends, I'm so glad that you watched us online. I know God is speaking to your life. I'm so glad that you came today. It's a beautiful day. We're going to have a great time outside. We'd love for you to stick around. Now, if you would like a little conversation with me or you said that prayer and said, you know, Jim, I appreciate that message. I'd like to just kind of connect with you. Uh, I got a little booklet that I'd, I'd give you if you say, man, I, I said that prayer. I swapped my uh, game plan. Um, that, God hears that. And we'd like to know that. So God bless you. Why don't you stand? Find someone you might not know. Greet them and uh, enjoy the, the goodies outside. You are dismissed. <laughs>